Welcome to Changeworld's Future Talent Podcast, our new series of exclusive interviews with business leaders and thinkers to uncover their perspectives on the changing world of work. My name is Tom Ritchie and I'm an editorial assistant at Changeboard. Today, I'm joined by Anne-Maria Maffedon, co-founder of STEMETS, a social enterprise that promotes science, technology, engineering and maths-based careers to young women. A child prodigy that had passed an A-level in computing at the age of 11, Anne-Marie has worked for organisations including Goldman Sachs, Hewlett-Packard and Deutsche Bank. After attending a Women in Tech conference in 2012, Anne-Marie began to reflect on her experience of being only one of three girls in a class of 70 studying maths and computer science at university. Currently in the UK, only 21% of the STEM workforce is female. Through setting up workshops, panel events, exhibitions and mentoring schemes for young women, it is the goal of STEMETS to increase female representation in STEM industries to over 30%. Some 15,000 young women have now attended a STEMET event across the UK and Ireland, with 95% of attendees expressing an increased interest in STEM subjects. Hi Anne-Marie, I'd just like to start by saying thanks for agreeing to speak to us today. Um, could we just start by talking a little bit about STEMETS? Why did you start the organisation and um, what work do you do to promote STEM subjects to young women? So I started STEMETS um, as a result of having an almost rooted Damascus moment um, at a conference back at the end of 2012. Um, I was working in technology, um, in a technology department actually at a big bank and got sent to this conference to talk about what we'd been doing and, and, and our kind of pioneering work. And turned up at this conference and there are three and a half thousand people there and all of them, or majority of them, were women. Uh, it turns out I'd, I'd ended up at a women in, in tech conference, women in computing conference, which up until that point, even though I'd always been a girl or a young woman or a woman and always been interested in technology, I hadn't realized that that was a thing. So it was this kind of, okay, two part, revelation first part was oh my goodness you're a woman in tech second revelation was that at least in the US and I later found out in the UK we at that point had had a shrinking minority of women working in tech but also across what are now known as the STEM fields so yeah. science technology engineering and maths and kind of looked at it and I was like you know this is this is awful this is terrible this is bad for so many different reasons for myself personally I don't want my children to think that I'm a weirdo but also for us economically technology is driving so much of what we do and solving mm. so many problems and touching so many parts or all parts of society how is it that half of them 50% roughly are not engaging as much as they should do and could do um, and so Stemets was born out of the feeling I had being at that conference that kind of gosh I'm at home I'm amongst my own it was almost like London Fashion Week but for women in tech yeah you know there were the parties that you're invited mm. to or not invited to and there were freebies everywhere and it was like oh my goodness that's that person and I said you know why don't we set up this same environment for girls and young women where they get to feel like rock stars or they get to feel like actually this is a normal thing that I can do because they can mm. um, and so Stemets was born out of that um, initially it was a punt so I, d I didn't know we'd hit on something it was kind of let's see where this goes let's see how it happens and then things escalated and and what what kind of work do you do now when you go into to meet young girls young women who are looking to move into a stem subject so the ethos of everything we do is it's always free for the girls it's always fun for the girls and there's always food for the girls and for us it is about setting up those environments where they are going to have a really really positive stem experience where they are going to get to see 
some aspect of the industry up close and physically go there. We like to take them out of school, out of college and go, you know, directly into where industry happens. But also they're going to meet a diverse set of people that mm. work in industry to kind of counter that social norm or counter that kind of image that you have of either a white coat and crazy hair or in a dark room with coffee and, you know, wearing black and just tapping away matrix style to be like, hey, actually they have they have daylight in these buildings. They often have a lot of free food in these buildings. Yeah. They enjoy themselves and they're creating cool things that you could definitely create if not make better I saw that like 95% of your attendees have set, have an increased interest in the subjects once they come away from the event. Is there a real like talent pool of untapped passion almost within uh, communities of young girls who feel like maybe there's a stigma attached to STEM subjects, like that's a boy subject, that's not a girl subject? So the stigma we see um, is in that social norm and it's it's a societal thing. So it's not an intrinsic thing. It's mm. not something they're born with. That, oh, gosh, that's a computer. Uh, it's not something I should do because I've, I've got this extra X chromosome. So it's something that, that it's socialized, it's conditioned. And we see it in things, you know, as basic and as simple as the toys that girls are encouraged mm. to play with when they're little. And then it, it pervades everything. So it ends up being kind of your influences. So whether it's your parents or your teachers or your peers, you know, one or more of the above at some point in those formative years will say that's that's a boys thing that's not for girls to do you know or i'm i'm not great at maths and it'll be your, your you know female primary school teacher or you know there'll be these these kind of almost signals and pointers and and micro these kind of micro incidents that add up to it being like well this isn't something that i should do as a as a girl or as a young woman and it goes right through to media when we look at it crowd and big bang theory and you know how many female stem characters can you name you know, the Gina Davis Institute, you know, has this report out you know, they're talking about the fact that for every seven STEM characters you see on screen, only one of them is a woman. And mm. even then, it's a stereotypical archetypal portrayal of uh, basically what we thought was a scientist, but with slightly longer hair yeah. and, and a slightly higher voice. And there's no no exploring of what it is to be a technical um, female, but also the fact that we sit on buses with them. You know, I, I my personal dream is for us to see a female technical character on EastEnders because we'll see her on the square fighting with her nan and doing all the other stuff they do on EastEnders because that's what... Because it's a real person. That's what women yeah. in STEM do because they're women like anybody else. Yeah. So I think um, that's, that's the, the problem and it does pervade so many things. In terms of the girls themselves... Um, with our events and with STEM itself, it's incredibly altruistic and it's incredibly creative. Mm. And it's something that a lot of the girls haven't ever really been able to tie to their science journey or their technical journey. Um, and it's something that we see at the events where they, they get, yeah, I use this Instagram app or Snapchat all the time. And I've never thought, or it's never been something that it's like, yeah, someone made that. And I could have made that because I've just made an app Obviously, I've only had six hours and I've never done this before. So my app is a little bit more basic, but it is something in my phone that's operating as I taught it to do. Mm. So for us at the events, we're, we're introducing that altruistic end of things. A lot of a lot of young women are driven by altruism rather than money. Yeah. And are wanting to help others and, and solve problems. And that's, of course, what technology is all about. And Matt is problem solving, right? Constantly solving problems for other people. John has 53 pineapples and gives them to yeah. And you're like, that's a crazy, crazy problem. If John just bought fewer pineapples, he wouldn't have as big a problem. No. But there are but there are there are kind of bigger problems to be solved. And, the, and that's what drives them. Um, and I think for us as well, uh, there's this notion of science capital. Mm. 
where you either have a parent or someone within their immediate circle who has a science qualification. And a lot of girls, a lot of young people actually don't have that science capital. So we're, as much as we can, supplementing that and giving the girls those adults that they can meet mm. who are technical, who also eat Kit Kat bar the same way as they eat Kit Kat bar, who also have the same favorite cheese as they have, um, who eat just like they do because food is a leveler and everyone enjoys food and free food tastes better than the food you pay for. Of course. For, right? So we're bringing them all together and, and adding all those ingredients together in a way that, that we're, we are able to transform what they think of STEM. And just to kind of touch on that altruism and creativity point a little bit more, do you feel that that's something that is kind of missing in the teaching of STEM subjects in school, both for girls and for boys? Because I struggled with STEM subjects at school, and to me, a little bit more of a kind of real-world perspective about some of the things you're learning would go a long way to kind of unlocking a lot of people's enjoyment in STEM. I never really got on board with a physics lesson where it was like, look, you've got to learn this formula to learn this, and then maybe when, if you carry on, you might get to the stuff which is trying to explain the universe. If there's a little bit more of a, okay, this is the cool stuff that you could learn if you put in the work, does that help people kind of pursue those subjects a little bit more? A hundred percent. I think we've got too much of a focus on facts, figures, and uh, harder, better, faster, stronger. It's kind of what I, what I describe mm. it as. And, the, and I think... Um, as much as it's great to have things like the bloodhound, the you know the fastest land vehicle, blah blah blah, whatever. A lot of people, that's not really what switches that switches them on. It's yeah. not really what they're going for. Um, and so we, it's really tough actually because it, for some reason, you know the way the English curriculum has been set up, it is all about creativity and, yeah. and all of that. And we don't have that, even though arguably, or arguably, science is more creative at a minimum. It's just as creative as as the English and as art and and all that sort of thing. So I think we do need it. I, I would I wouldn't say I wouldn't immediately blame the educational system. Mm. I think teachers have a really tough job and it is really hard actually to make sure that you've got all the moving pieces um and got everything down and, and we are able to test and assess and all the rest of it. So it it is a hard problem, but I but you know, the other thing is these children don't live in a school vacuum. Mm. So there is there are things that we can do at home. There are things which is why I point to the media quite a lot. You know, there are opportunities, many opportunities for us to talk to the the altruism and the creativity that is available in science and we don't don't talk about them enough. Mm. The other thing for girls in particular that we don't talk about enough are the female STEM role models. So you ask people to name a scientist, it'll be Einstein, it'll be Newton, it'll be all those kinds of people that we bang on about in science lessons and and, and in the curriculum. But we don't talk about the women who have also done those sorts of things. And if we we talk about... um, you know, usability in, in the real world, you know, not many people know the technology that underpins Bluetooth and, wi- and Wi-Fi um, was co-invented by Hedy Lamarr, Hollywood actress. You know, not many people know the fact that Kevlar that makes bulletproof vests bulletproof, again, was invented by, by a, a female chemist. There's all these things that we, we use all the time. They save lives, they solve mm. problems. And we, we don't tell those stories. We talk about Brunel and we talk about Newton and we talk about Einstein you know, to death and they, yeah. they are dead. Um, and, it, you know, so it's that thing of you have to be dead white and male to, to have done science. Mm. And just to kind of kind of expand on that point a little bit further, um, 
do you feel like the stigma that's attached and the kind of like the reverence that's shown to male, white male um, scientists in particular has affected your career? Funnily enough, it hasn't. And I think it, this is this is a great point that we always come back to. I didn't need Stamets to, to go into industry and to do all that I did and the child prodigy and everything else. Um, and growing up, my role model was Tim Berners-Lee, of course, the inventor yeah. of the World Wide Web, who was a British physicist. Um, and identity is a really, really complex thing. There are some people who identify as a woman before being British, people that identify as British before being a woman. You can't look at someone and have these adjectives and say, because that sounds right, that's their, their way that they pitch their identity. Um, but I think what we have to do is not rely just on stubborn, non-perceptive women like me to be the ones working in industry. We need all kinds of people who do pick up on these things and do do notice um, and who um, aren't hard-headed like mm. I was to get all that way into industry, being one of three girls in class of 70 not even noticing. And it was only you know three or four years into my career that I realised, oh my goodness, there's not that many of us yeah. here. <laughs> you know, I don't sound like a great scientist, really, do I? So we need the women who would have noticed to be taking my place, really. And um, what what do you think um, businesses can do to kind of help the education system in terms of kind of promoting what they're doing and then feeding it back into the education system? So it, it takes a, a big company saying almost, this is these are the skills we need. We need a diverse background of people. Um, what can they do beyond that to kind of promote STEM subjects for young women? So there's a huge amount that businesses need to do, and it's not even just within the educational system. I think we, you know, we we don't want to end up in this kind of cat capitalist state where it's only what big business wants that we end up teaching. Mm. So there's a lot that business needs to do with the women that are already in industry, and there's a lot that business needs to do in terms of. Um, actually ameliorating their culture. So there's a lot of things, I know kind of recent news, this is podcast, it's supposed to be timeless, but with all the Harvey Weinstein yeah. sort of stuff that's coming out, I think there's there's a lot of that in a lot of industries happening in a lot of places. Um, and a lot of big business needs to ha take a long, um, a, a long, good, hard look at itself and make sure that it's not enabling any of that sort of behaviour or any of the other behaviours that mm. means that, that, that women do then end up dropping out because then we have a smaller pool of, of role models and then we don't have as rich a history uh, as we should be having. But the other thing that big business does need to do is to, is to par partner up with organisations that are good at this. Um, so we've been running for, we'll be, you know, soon be five years um, running in the, the, as an organisation. And it's been really interesting to see over time how many businesses, you know, say they do want to do something, set out to do something and end up making things worse. Mm. Um, I think sometimes we forget um, what it is to be a teenage girl or young woman, sometimes it's even harder for us to empathise and understand what that means in 2017. Yeah. And so there are lots of examples that I see all the time of, um, from girls actually sometimes, as well as from parents, frustrated parents, saying, you know, we took her along to this and they just bored her to death. Or we took her along to this and it was all guys who were asking her to solve the problem of women in STEM. And you're thinking... You know, you've got a thirteen-year-old here to inspire, to talk to about all the all the great things that are happening, all the cool things you could be doing, and you're trying to burden her with with your problem, really. So I think there's a lot that big business needs to do in terms of picking up on that best practice, um, and linking up, even if it's not just the Stemets and there's other organisations, get behind them because even though you have the industry experience, you don't necessarily have the youth engagement experience. And uh, to kind of look forward to the future in terms of 
um, future-proofing young people's skill sets. Obviously, STEM has got a massive part to play in what will be the jobs of tomorrow. So how do we go about future-proofing young women's skill sets and what do you think are going to be the most important skills going forward um, in the next 10, 15 years? So in terms of future-proofing, um, you know, we already have supposedly artificial intelligence bots that are writing code themselves. So in terms of future-proofing, there's, there's kind of two elements to it. One is that it, it is about empowering young women and young people to l learn how they learn mm. and to be ready to be continually learning. Um, I think there's a lot around classroom-based learning, but it, you know, you you basically check out of that and you check into the University of Life, or you check out of real university and then into University of Life. Um, so this whole notion of, you know, I'm the teacher, I have the knowledge, and you take it from me. We need to rip that up a little bit just because things are moving so quickly that, you know, it, the point is to be inquisitive, to be cu curious, and to mm. be constantly adapting and taking on new knowledge. Um, so that's one thing we need to we need to do. And the second thing, um, that you know as much as much as we're called the stemettes we do advocate really strongly for is steam so the science technology engineering arts and maths okay. and bringing together all parts of your brain and being able to use your perspective and and those different disciplines across mm. disciplinary disciplinary approach sorry to whatever problem it is or whatever you're doing so you're able to bring all of that to your arsenal so for example um you know they, they say you're 17 times more likely to win a nobel prize one of the science ones if you've engaged with the arts as part of your journey which sounds counterintuitive it should yeah. be if you're the best person in physics ever it should have been that you've only spoken physics since you were a child whereas actually um that creativity and you know being able to use all parts of your brain as it were is what you need to bring to be a better whatever you are so being able to for us to all appreciate and not have this thing of you've got a science brain or you've got a math brain or you've got an arts brain and that must be what you do forever and actually i've never met a girl that has a math brain so she can't do the maths we need to get away from that quite a yeah. lot and appreciate that it's not hard and fast you know the the walls come crashing down as soon as you leave the, the classroom yeah. right um so so that's very much what we need to do in terms of future proofing and so like i'd like to touch on that point about steam again um so basically what I think what we're saying is that great scientists are able to kind of use abstract thought, otherwise we come up with we'd never come up with any new theories. Um, so what do you think needs to be done in the education system in, in particular to kind of promote a well-rounded individual who's capable of that abstract thought? So I think for the education system, particularly here in the UK, we need to be a lot more open and be a lot more, it's not even tolerant or accepting, but we need to be promoting more of that cross-disciplinary approach from a young age. Uh, coincidentally, I think we do it at primary, it's just the secondary, everything gets divided off. And what we see quite a lot, that affects quite a lot of our girls, at least that we work with, is that they get two GCSE options to mm. choose, or even sometimes they still have this A-level options, and you've got the choices to pick, they put it in blocks, and they put the technology in and art in the same block, because who's gonna do both technology and art? Yeah. How is that? That's not even a, a subject choice you're going to make at GCSE, clearly, because mm. you've either got that science brain or, or, or the arts brain. And so I think we, we need to, we almost need to have a, probably a bit of legislation or policy to say schools have to stop this practice. It, mm. it is for scheduling, and I do understand you have to fit everyone in and teach them all, you know, during the school day. But it's not right for you to have students have being forced to pick 
technology or art and not being allowed to pick the two of them together. Or if they pick triple science, they're not allowed to do an art subject or they're not allowed to do another technology. Mm. I think we have to be a lot more flexible and actually we need to make sure that we have all parts of technology and art in each of those streams so everyone has to pick at least something different so they can stretch their brain um, in a slightly different direction. And we then also need to have that reflected on courses. So I wouldn't go as far as advocating for the major minor um, system that US has for university but I know definitely here we need to, we need to definitely um, encourage more whether it's joint honours or encourage more cross-disciplinary because that's what we need when we end up doing research at the topper yeah. at the kind of higher echelons in, in academia it is that cross-disciplinary you do have neuroscientists working with technologists and working with the artists to make you know whatever it would be as a, you know to solve whatever medical problem so we need to make sure that we, we send a really strong message that you to embrace all of them rather than you know just going down this science route and we stop advocating for children to just do a set of stem subjects or a set of art subjects at a level and and just to just to finish um what has been the most rewarding moment for you since you started STEMETS? so i think for me the most rewarding moment was back in the summer of 2015 uh, we had a crazy idea. We'd worked with, with thousands of girls already and we'd seen that as much as we're trying to convince them to jump over the fence and join us at the STEM party, there are some who were already living in that STEM house and were already doing it. And, and you know, be girls in Manchester who didn't know the girls in Dublin who didn't know uh, each other. And, and it was like, you're living parallel lives and life would be so much better if you knew you know, there was someone literally working on the same type of yeah. ideas at the same age as you, who also was having a bit of a tough time at school or whatever it might be. So um, we said, what happens when you get all the X-Men under one roof? Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Let's get them all under one roof. So we had 115 young women from across Europe living in one house in South London, wow. 45 at a time over the six weeks of the summer holidays. Uh, we had a load of, of food, obviously, that we gave them. We gave, we looked after them. We were effectively loco parentis for all of them. And we um, brought in people from industry to help feed their minds a little bit more and, and get, help them skill up on not only STEM, but the entrepreneurship. Mm. Right? So a lot of young people want to go into business, want to go into enterprise. And, and we again, that's another connection we never help them make. That actually a lot of a lot of businesses that, you know, the most innovative, shall we say, have those kind of STEM people leading them. So we brought them all under one roof and, and you know, hilarity ensued or, or whatever, all the rest, as they say, is history. And for me, the proudest moment was being at the demo day because they got to pitch for for funding for their for their projects and for mm. their startups that they were building but also then at, at graduation where you know you saw the journeys these young women had been on and even more so you saw the network that they'd built and it's incredible because you you know you won't have ever seen anything like it it's not in tv we don't tell these stories of these you know 100 or so young women who all are counting on each other they have them as each other coos they're building websites for each other they're creating products they're testing things you know still today today Mm. you know three almost four years on they're still running those businesses they're doing ted talks they're supporting each other and they've got this network you know that they're all pretty young but there will be a time when you know if you look at i'm i I know it'll come you know you look at all these tech companies and you'll know that that cto that cto that cio that cio that md and that we're all living in that house at some point during those six weeks so there's a real sense of community around yeah and and it's a powerful community it's it's a it's almost it's a squad but they're doing things and they're making things happen for Mm. each other 
which for me, you know, still it's it's the, a proud moment. Anytime I interact with any of them, even now, helping them out with their businesses and and with 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 um, product testing or whatever it might be, it's still a proud moment knowing that we put them all in that house and that business wouldn't exist with that girl from Dublin, that girl from Manchester, and that girl from London if we hadn't had them all under mm. that roof. And that that's almost like a sense of collaboration as well that historically wouldn't have been a big part of teaching stem subjects either it's not it's not it's not a part of teaching and and it's really really strange because that's what industry is all about yeah microsoft word was not built by one person no. as much as we want to say it's bill gates bill gates did not sit and write every line of code in microsoft word your your new car that you get now nowadays has more lines of code than your smartphone it was not one person that put that together so it, it's incredibly collaborative and so it is a shame that we're not able to have that come through in teaching Thanks, Anne-Marie. It's been a real pleasure talking to you today. We look forward to bringing you another Future Talent podcast very soon.